Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're excited to present a Q&A from Tranque Laquin, a main slate selection of the 60th New York Film Festival, opening in our theaters on April 21st from director Laura Citarella. But first, listen to a special Q&A with the team behind Joyland, a selection of the 52nd edition of New Director's New Films, which is currently in progress through Sunday, April 9th. Director Saim Siddiq and cast members Ali Junejo and Rasti Farouk discuss Joyland with New Director's New Films co-chair Florence Almazzini. Co-presented by Film at Lincoln Center and the Museum of Modern Art, tickets to New Director's New Films are currently available at newdirectors.org. Maybe I can start by asking a couple of questions and then if we have time, which I cannot promise, depends on talkative we feel, uh, we'll try to share with the audience. Um, maybe the first question I wanted to, to ask to you, it's, it's, it's a film that deals with a lot of things, but it's really centered around people and also around family. So there's different type of family. There's the family you are born into. There's the family that you get drawn into by relationship or marriage and then there's also this really interesting family that comes from the world of, of stage and, and theater and both have a lot of complexity that come within the relationship and the characters in it but I was really curious to know about the research you did uh, when you were writing the, the film and then when you were shooting how you manage to interact both and to really deal into the world of, of the theater and the stage and the, the dancing, which is a very interesting part of the film. Um, <clears throat> so I, I started, I think the research process hap started happening around 2018, I want to say in the summer of 2018, because I did a short film, uh, which was kind of a proof of concept for, for Joyland. Um, and uh, so for that, I used to just somehow managed to find some producers of these theater shows, etc. So I would just go and it started with me watching the shows because I actually never seen the shows in, in the theater, sitting in the theater. I'd seen you went taped versions. For real. Yeah. So okay. I went as the audiences and started looking at what people were doing, you know, um, how they reacted, the audiences, etc. And then I somehow made found my way backstage, which is uh and like an exceedingly exciting place to just be there. You know, you have like this um, it's just chaos all the time, but it, it's a wonderful chaos. You know, the the norms are very different. It's the it's the the women who are the mainstay of those shows. So in such a patriarchal society, somehow to enter a world where the woman is the one who sells the tickets because it's her dance that everybody is coming to watch it, no matter how voyeuristic it might be, and one can talk about that. But it was the truth was the star of the show is the woman. You know, so uh, and and no matter which theater you go to, there are different women at different theaters. Uh, but uh, they know that they have a certain level of power, uh, you know, which was an exciting thing to witness even today in like the most liberal of movies. You don't have, you know, you still talk about how women can and cannot sell movies or can and cannot sell tickets, etc. I was like, okay, here's a world which you may think is a B-grade world, but here a woman is selling a ticket, the tickets, you know. She fills the theater. And that was just fascinating to to witness that sort of subculture exist in a society uh, with all the men present watching these shows who all step out eventually and then, uh, you know, become the polar opposite <laughs> when they go back home. Um, so, you know, talking to as many of them as possible and just spending time with them was, was certainly something that really helped, I think, uh, the process of finding the humanity of these people in this world 
you know, and of course the the family life, which is uh, the actual domestic family of the Ranas, was something that was far more familiar to uh, to me. Even though that that's, it's not like oh, that's um, exactly like my family, or uh, but but there of course there are, there are parallels there, which are <clears throat> sorry, which are. Uh, you know, can be found in any Pakistani family, you know, in a middle class family or an upper middle class family. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, you do find the humanity in both sort of family and they all have their positivity and a lot of weaknesses and that's how the characters are going to like move around um, through, the, through the film. Um, and also I would like to, to talk about the casting because I, I believe you already knew you were going to work again with Biba or now, uh, but you have to bring like a much larger cast. And I would say casting the role of Eder uh, with Ali it must have not been that easy. It's, it's a great character uh, and, and it's a wonderful performance. I could imagine that like reading on um, an, scripts, um, must have brought a lot of questions. It's a character that had a lot of flows. It's a character that's very endearing, but also uh, cannot dance. <laughs> He's making a lot of progress. It's uh, it's someone that you always want to to root for, but also push to get into himself and to work with his family and or not, you know. So, um, how did that work for you uh, to come into the film and uh, why is it difficult for you to find Ali? You can, you can start if you want. Um, I auditioned. <laughs> did you dance? <laughs> I did not, no. luckily, because I, I'm quite horrible at it, so I, uh, that was complete method right there. Uh, well, I, I was lucky. I got a call for an audition and I, I went in and spent some time with Syme <clears throat> um, and uh, our casting director and co-producer, Sana. And uh, I think there were a lot of things that we figured were parallels between uh, what I was thinking off the bat from reading the script and what Syme uh, was also um, imagining and what he had thought. So I think that's that's one of the things that, that I mean, gave me the opportunity to be able to do this. Um, and also there was something about Heather, there was something, something about his quiet um, compliance, but some kind of resentful build that was happening here that that uh, linked I, so I feel uh, linked Simon and I in a very very um, what I felt to be a, an incredibly powerful bond, and um, there's a lot of trust there. Now Heather is a he's a he he's a <laughs> He's a complicated fellow. It's not um, a lot of the time. He's not really saying much, um, and I think that was one of the most interesting things about something like this, because there's a lot there somewhere at the back, but you have to find it, and you have to find it in things that um, that you might you might disregard initially, but then there are things that kind of sit at the back of your mind. Uh, that happened to all of us, and not particularly in Pakistan, but everywhere in the world. That happened to all of us. They sit at the back of your mind, and they eat up parts of your subconscious till they they feel like little parasites, you know, squirming around your mind. And Heather had a lot of that, and I had to find where that came uh, from. Um, and I think that that those were the things that that I think Simon and I figured out 
in in some way. Also, the second, the first part of the question, I've completely forgotten, so I'm just now <laughs> rambling. If, if you would, it was hard to find him. Yes, it was very very hard to find him. Uh, he was the last person that we were auditioning actually, uh, and we had auditioned close to 600 boys before that, and uh, we like there was not. It was just it just didn't work out. Um, thankfully, um, because. Uh, he sent us really bad pictures, I will say. Uh, <laughs> it goes well with your character. <laughs> yeah, really bad pictures. And I was like, why? But we really were like, okay, let's call him. We don't, the list is over. Uh, but then he came and then he was, uh, like he was the only person, who was the only guy who came and who didn't have an issue uh, out of all the 600 to, you know, who didn't talk about that, oh, am I going to, like, you know, what's the sexuality of this character? Or like he didn't ask that kind of question that, personally really annoys me uh, because I thought that there's more to this guy than just that and then he was also not coming worried about uh, oh like you know I'm not comfortable with this and I'm not comfortable with that he was comfortable with everything you know he was actually looking to find more uncomfortable things than they were on paper which was an interesting process you know uh, and and like a guy who was not who didn't who was not operating from from a fear you know, he was operating with an excitement and it, uh, to figure out something that, frankly, wasn't very clear on paper. Uh, you know, it was not a character that you, like, for example, I would say all the other characters um, were much clearer and much more endearing and much more likable on paper. Everybody liked all the women in the film when they read them, you know. But he was not. He was quite unlikable when you would read him because it was un it was unclear why he's doing what he's doing, but somehow when you watch the film, to me it feels very believable, and I'm like, I completely understand why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and I sometimes get frustrated by you, but I'm, you still have my empathy throughout, which is completely to his credit, uh, you know? Uh, and so, and it's, 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 it's about sort of, he's been born and brought up in Pakistan, but to find a guy who's still gonna approach a character like this with no judgment to begin with was, uh, was you know, a revelation, frankly. Um, I wanted to also ask a question to you, Rustic, because you're, I guess, from the script, the women are definitely stronger, more likable, they do carry the family, and you can identify and admire them, especially your character, a lot more. However, there's also a lot of secrets and a lot of mystery and a lot on the interaction, so how did you work around this? How did you create the character and... Was there a lot of interaction in trying to change the trajectory of 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 a fate? Actually, yes. <laughs> um, well, you know, I think um, it wasn't difficult for me um, in one way because the script was so stunning, and the the way that this woman had been written and the way that I discovered her on these pages was just so compelling, and she was so she was jumping off the pages. Um, and the script was demanding, which was, this is the first time that I've, um, I, you know, doing something that was written by um, somebody from where I belong, like my country. Um, and it was an original script and I read it and it was so demanding um, because the character is so complex and that was an exciting place to be in. Um, but it was difficult as well because, you know, uh, like you said, she's a very likable character. Um, and when you meet her in the film, she's kind of somehow, you know, miraculously, um, in living within a conservative family, she's managed to figure out a way to do what she wants and to derive like meaning from her life. And you don't really hear those kinds of stories of married women, especially women in arranged marriages back from where back back home. So it's really it was really exciting. The beginning is really exciting, but then slowly and gradually, you know, she's kind of 
boxed in. And um, I also know those stories of like women back home who are married and who are asked to prioritize all the other things in life uh, before what they what their heart desires. Um, and it's a difficult story to tell because there's so much grief in that story. There's so much pain. Um, and this character, Mumtaz, like carries so much of that. So it was a very weighty character. And I, I, I was I was scared to like turn it into something very... Um, like I knew she had tragic elements to her, but I didn't want it to be just that. So I was scared. And so Simon and I would have... Um, especially about the end, we had conversations where I think halfway through shooting the film, I was like, hey, is there a way to change the ending? <laughs> like, because we just... We, I, I, I didn't want to kill her off, certainly. So I remember I walked into Simon's room. Yeah, and she, he didn't... So I, we walked into Simon's... We were sitting in Simon's room, like halfway through the shoot, going like, she could run away? She could run, That's fine. We could just change the whole shooting schedule. It's fine, it's cool. <laughs> and so we, like, actually considered it, and then we realized that, you know... She does run away to the train station, but she has to come back because freedom is not that easy. I mean, it's it's a lovely thing to to have and to want, but it's not easy. Um, and it literally takes everything. So that's why she returns. And um, that was the fate that, you know, she had to she had to suffer. Uh, but we but we did go over it and then we realized that, you know, changing her story would actually have been in a way like untrue because That's not how, it's not that easy. You can't get on a train and just run when you're pregnant and you don't know where you're going to go. You don't know if your family's going to accept you. You don't have any money. Like, it's not easy. So it felt untrue in that moment. And so we were like, no, it has to be that. But it was painful. Yeah. So, I mean, you could have had Joyland too. Which, uh, <laughs> but uh, maybe be, it was all a dream and then you'll come back in the, ne in the next one. <laughs> Um, I was also curious to hear about, you know, I mean, obviously from the writing and from the producing and shooting, and it's something you could also participate in, is how do you deal with not the idea of censorship, but the idea maybe of more of acceptance and how far you can go in what you want to discuss? I, I, it's probably um, more complicated in certain countries, maybe like Pakistan, but not necessarily. I think each country we'd have to, to think about um, what will the audience accept? What is, ex how far can I go in describing not just the sexuality, the desire, but like the complexity of everyone? And was there any um, internal process where you're like, I'm, I'm going to stop here, I'm going to go further, or in writing or in directing, and also from, from producing, like how open were you uh, in in going all the way with what has been brought to the screen? I think in terms of producing, I would just say that we talked about alternative shots and like different ways to shoot the film so we could have a different cut for Pakistan if we needed to replace mm -hmm. certain scenes. Um, but I feel like it, it's so tastefully done and we watch things that are so much more um, explicit, I would say, than yep. this. So, In, Pakistan was really the only country that we were like thinking about in terms of like how can we tailor this so we can still have the release that we want to interact with the audience. But for the rest of the countries, I don't think we were we were so concerned. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, sometimes it's not just the explicity; it's the ideas that are in the film and what is discussed that are could be more controversial than what you actually see. Yeah, <laughs> that I mean. I think Sam has said it in the past and probably says it better where it's like cinema sometimes to make you feel uncomfortable. And if these ideas are making people feel uncomfortable, then 
that is a reaction that we are not afraid of. Um, yeah. I think we have time for one question. And also, I do have way more. I think we should be generous and ask it to ask the audience to, to, to ask it. So if the manager would let me, I will ask one question from the audience. So the first one, yeah, there's someone here. You're getting a microphone. Hello. Um, I came into this film really wanting to like it because I'm from the same program as you guys. and I'm rooting for you three and all of you. Um, but I loved it so much more than that. It was... So genuine, <laughs> I guess not, but. Um, we were nervous there for a bit. <laughs> ready. I'm ready to defend my movie, man. <laughs> yeah. No, it was so genuine, and I had so much empathy for every character, and it's so inspiring for me. Um, so thank you. My question would be, I had seen Darling also, and Mumtaz's character isn't even a part of that. And it's such an important character in this movie. Um, so I wanted to ask about the writing and how that character emerged into this film. Uh, so Jolly was written before Darling, so I purposefully didn't want Darling to have any characters. Like I, I don't, I don't particularly think even the Alina's in both the movies, but I think her character is actually very different, you know. And uh, she's played by the same actress, but in that film, Alina is kind of playing a a version of herself you know she's even called Alina in the film Alina Darling and and uh, like a more doughy-eyed more docile you know more hopeful kind of uh, slightly more naive uh, girl and, and I think in this one the, like Biba is certainly not any of those things you know I don't even think she's particularly she's certainly not sweet but she's certainly not like an easygoing girl uh, you know um, like it's and Ali's character also was certainly not in in so we had Joyland had a completely different story in my for me particularly it was set in the same world and had certain similar thematic sort of you know overlap for sure um, but for me the, the the this particular movie was always about these three people uh, and and actually Mumtaz was the first person the like the the first character to come and the the one to actually stay. A lot changed over many, many drafts, but somehow this girl was always similar. Like she was always the heart of the film and she actually became more. Like eventually, I think the film that we ended up making for all of us, I think, even all the other cast members, they knew like, you know, no matter what the plot of the film is, we know this film is actually about her. Uh, you know, if it is about any one character, it's probably about her. Uh, you know, it's about the, the, the one who doesn't get the coming of age, even though she might be the most worthy of it. Yeah. We, we were given the, the sign that we need to wrap up. So I'm very sorry we didn't have more time no, to talk because I had so much more to ask about the film composition, the, the format, you know, like this, there's a lot that we could all discuss, but uh, you'll have to come back. <laughs> and also you have another screening tomorrow at yeah, MoMA. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Laura Citarella's enormously pleasurable Trenke Lauquin takes viewers on a limitless journey through stories nested within stories set in and around the Argentinian city of Trenke Lauquin, or Round Lake, and is centered on the strange disappearance of a local academic named Laura. Through initial inquiries by two colleagues, older boyfriend Rafael and a driver named Ezekiel with whom Laura had grown secretly close, we learn about her recent discoveries 
including a new unclassified species of flower and a series of old love letters hidden at the local library, which may help track her down. Yet as flashbacks and antidotes pile up, we, and the film's intrepid investigators, begin to realize that this intricately structured tale is larger and stranger than we could have imagined. Citarella, a producer of the equally remarkable epic La Flore, has confidently crafted a series of interlocked romantic, biological, and ecological mysteries that create parallels between past lives and present dangers, invoke the rapture of obsessive pursuit, and salute the human need to find personal freedom and happiness. Don't miss Trenke Lauquin, opening in our theaters on April 21st. Get tickets at filmlink.org slash Trenke Lauquin. Now please enjoy the conversation. So we'll do like a, like we're halfway through the film. So we'll do like a half Q&A. Yes, half Q&A. Um, I don't want to get too in, into too much detail, maybe, because, you know, we don't want to talk about what's coming. But I, it's difficult. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this we'll try. because because I know a lot of things, but let's try. Let's yeah, try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll try. We'll try. But maybe we'll start with what you said at the introduction um, about this being five years in the making. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what was the film in your mind five years ago and how different is it from this film? Good question. Um at the beginning, we had a script that we wrote with the actress, Laura. Mm-hmm. She's also the co-writer of the film. And we wrote a film that was almost the same, but like in a more organized way. Linear yes, linear. Okay. Like no, not, not this situation of coming and going and flashbacks and everything. Um, but uh, while we were shooting and then we started editing and in the middle... Laura, well, she she was a mother. I I had a child. A lot of things happened to us, and there was a moment when we felt that we wanted. I don't know. There was something in the film that was no longer interesting us, mm-hmm. in a way. It's it's not. But interesting. you were already already shooting at that time. Yes, okay. but we changed in the middle <laughs> because you make films like in in 5 years and and you don't think things the same way that you thought at the beginning so a lot of things happened then the pandemic and we started like reorganizing the um, this idea of 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 a woman that is lost mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, at the beginning it was how she uh, started like getting out of society and and finally you the 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 ending was well not not exactly this no but because it was two guys looking for her that was the end of the film but then we realized that it was like has like another kind of danger to start with two people looking for someone that we don't know at all and we don't know and we can't even imagine what happens to to this woman so that that was the first movement we so you made. changed it it starts with the two men looking for the woman yes yes not starting with her like and 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 in present uh, the audience being like a, a witness of of a woman getting i don't know getting away mm-hmm. but 
two men looking for someone that we don't know and we don't imagine what happens to her. And then also a lot of things happened uh, in our lives. For example, I was pregnant and then uh, we went, I don't know, a trip to Italy. And so we, we should say that's your husband too in the film. Yes. Yes, that's my husband. The one, the Ezequiel, the guy, is my husband. Yes. <laughs> he's my husband. The driver. And Yes, the driver. And he, he's not an actor. No. Well, now he is. I think he is. Yeah. <laughs> also a producer. <laughs> he wasn't, but now he's. And the small girl is our child. So everything has this like familiar structure where uh, while we were living our lives, we were like including things happening to us in the film, but always as fiction, always as as part of of the stories that we already planned. Uh, we already had this idea of the Italian guy and everything, but when, for example, we had this possibility of going to Italy, we said, why don't we mm -hmm. try to uh, make a shooting in Italy? Mm -hmm. um, so the film started also changing because things were like appearing in our lives and we started involving. Mm -hmm. Was the film always called Tranquilauquen? Yes. Can you tell us about this part of Argentina? Yes, because it's called Trenkelauken because this is a like a second part. I mean, this is the first part of a second part <laughs> of a big project, or I don't know if it is big, because right, this is the middle of because we should talk about your first the, the previous film that you worked with yes. Laura on, yeah, o Ostende. Ostende, yeah. I made a film called Ostende. Uh, Laura is also the actress and the character and we made that film like, I don't know, 20 12, years, 12 years ago. Uh, yes, 12 years ago. <laughs> Sorry, 20. I'm lost. Um, it's the same. <laughs> um, so we made that film. Ostende is a small town in the province of Buenos Aires by the sea. So uh, it was like a curious character looking other people's lives and, and thinking and being like a Sherlock Holmes, just like this Laura. And when we finished that film, we wanted to continue working together with her. And I wanted to go to Trenkelauken to make a film because my family is from there. And I, this could sound not very like um, professional, artistical. <laughs> I just wanted to spend time in Trenkelauken. That's the real thing. I, I, I like to be there. So you spent time there as a child? Or yes, okay. because I, I used to go during summers and during my, yes, the, I mean, Christmas and my grandmother is there and my parents are from there. So it's a very, very important place to me. And I love to just to be there. So I said, why don't we bring, the, as we want to work together with Laura, why don't we bring this same character to another place in the province of Buenos Aires, which could be Trenkelauken. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and also there was a question before that was that obsesses me, that is um, how many times you can shoot the same film in your life? I mean, because I feel that when we were making Trenkelauken, we were making Ostende again, but we were not the same people. 
we, I mean, now we are 40 and we grew up just as filmmakers. And so it was also trying to find uh, an answer to that question that I, I, I didn't find it. But <laughs> to what happens if you go with the same ideas some years after that experience to another place with the same character, with the same atmosphere, and make a film with that. And, and well, the idea is maybe to continue making films in different towns in the province of Buenos Aires with Laura, but I don't know. <laughs> Can you talk a bit about your collaboration with Laura as the lead actor and also a co-writer? And I think she's really incredible in this film. Uh, I think you'll see also in, in part two. And I think people who have been coming might recognize her because she was also in you mentioned La Flor in your introduction she's also been in Matias Pinero's films and mm -hmm. many films that we've shown here so you know if you can talk about how you work together as as co-writers when she's also the lead actor it's a well she's a friend she's a, a partner I think she's like half of this film because we made this film together I'm, I mean I'm the director but we we worked in a very very close way um and it's interesting because uh, when you work with actors, when you are writing, it's good because they find like the the, the the their own language, like writing and trying the scenes and reading them in loud voice. So this process was for five years, um, and also. Uh, it was very helpful because she's an actress that is also a writer and is also a director in, in theater. So she is, is an actress that we can share the materials and you can just discuss, like, look at this scene. What do you think? What do you feel that happens? What do you think it works? It doesn't work. And she's not like thinking of herself as, as an actress and, and just looking at her, but thinking about the whole film so that was very important it was similar with Veronica Shinas uh, that I made Dog Lady some years before so the, the, and, the and part two she's also we I don't want to give yes. any yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this idea of working with uh, with actors on the on the process of writing and also watching the materials Mm -hmm. uh, was something that I found in Dog Lady, and yeah. and and we we made with with Laura during the whole process. So I really don't want to ask too many specific questions because I think part two really kind of like complicates our understanding of these characters. Yes. So that's all I will say. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if we are, but I don't know if they will want to come tomorrow if we say. I mean. No, if we say that it gets complicated. No, in I a mean. good way, in the best way. <laughs> but it's the same characters. It's a continuation. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but a lot of what we lot understand and assume in part one is not yeah. it's there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should let the audience ask questions that we can you can decide whether to answer or not. If it's okay. too specific, you don't This is very yeah. stressful. Okay. <laughs> Uh, this a mic this you want to use a microphone like this button right here. Okay. So, what was it like filming your husband falling in love with your friend? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> well, but then he also 
thinks of me because it's me, the other woman. No, I, I'm <laughs> I had to do that because I was jealous. No, it was great. They they look like they are in love. I mean, I don't know what to do with that situation. <laughs> yeah, right there. Right here, sorry. It's, uh, we can start there. We can start back there and then we'll come back. Start, start. Uh, yeah. Hi, good evening. Uh, first of all, thank you for this uh, beautiful puzzle. It's, I was very interested in, in, in your structure and the fact that you said that you actually changed it from a linear to a more like sort of non-linear, like more puzzle-like. Uh, it was very interesting. And also the fact that, I'm, I mean, the thing about Pompeii is all about experimenting, so I guess like the fact that you said, I didn't watch Ostende, but that is like the ability or the need to keep experimenting and, and keep um, creating in different ways with the same concept is something that I really found um, very interesting and, and I love the way that the, um, we get the premise of the characters, but it's all about character development little by little. And the film seems like reading a book little by little, page by page. You think that it's slow, but it's so interesting that you forget about time. Uh, that, that's my two cents. Thank you. <laughs> I, I feel that it's more like it's closer to literature than sometimes, I, I mean, we, we thought that way. We thought we have to make like a novel uh, when we started writing with Laura. But this idea of changing the structure, it also has to do with, with uh, how you can, you will see, I, I, I'm getting in a danger, uh, <laughs> but you will see. But there's uh, the idea of people watching in, different versions of one character, like the idea that you cannot confirm or say something concrete about this character, about Laura, but you can just surround the character with different ways of looking at, at her or, or thinking reality. And that's something that will like um, explode in the second part. Can you say a little bit more about this idea of the film having like a literary, like having literature as a, a guide? Um, because I feel like every time there's like a film that plays with narrative, and especially if it's like a Argentinian or Latin American film, people will talk about Borges or about Bolaño, and like you know. And I'm wondering if you were thinking about writers like that, or if you like were they sort of models for your writing or yes that i mean there are lots of models uh, we were i was reading bolaño by that time and there are some specific like uh, citas como se dice citas quotes um, like la parte de la parte that's that's a confirmation of 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 the this idea of getting close to that kind of novel and also I think uh, this idea of changing the point of views and maybe thinking this, the, taking one, for example, one object, it, this is difficult also because you have to watch the second part, but this idea of get, getting one object 
and uh, it depends on who is looking at that object, uh, the the sense of that. For example, the the book of Kolontai. I mean, that is the clue for Rafael to find why she went away. And for Ezequiel, it's like the, the, the book was an excuse almost to, to see Laura and to be with her. So this idea of changing like the, the um, angulo, angle, <laughs> um, I think it has to do with this kind of structure, like the novel. Yes. But were you thinking about like cinema as well, like certain... It made me think of the idea of like the absent subject, like one of the great films with um, like a an absent subject is Laura, like the Preminger film. Yes. That has course. no. <laughs> yes. So I, I thought of that too because like the beginning of like she's not there, but yes. like she's. And also La Ventura. La Ventura. We were talking about that today because uh, when w the, this idea of La Ventura was always on the film, but was at the end of the film. Yeah. These two guys like looking for Laura in the middle of the Pampas. And then we thought that maybe it's difficult to make nowadays a film, a fiction film about a woman that disappears because you can think a lot of things yeah, yeah. around that. So for me, the, the taking, for example, the La Aventura as a, as a, as, as a, a place where to, where the film could start mm -hmm. was like saying okay it's not a disappearance it's someone that just went off yeah. so i think this this kind of things were taking from no, i mean not only from 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 a lot of filmmakers that we love but also um spe uh, specific films that we were uh I, I was about to say something about the second part and, and no, I we'll, lost. We'll I'm sorry, it, we'll <laughs> because there is one film very important for the second part that we can... Tomorrow. Talk tomorrow, yes. I think maybe we'll just take one more question because we, we want people to come back and you'll talk again tomorrow, more, yes. more specifics. Um, more like... Yeah. But we'll take one more question if there is one. Um, yeah, right here. Thanks. Um, first of all... Uh, Muchas gracias. Um, and I was thinking that you could maybe speak to, it seems like uh, Chicho and Laura, like, you know, part of their falling in love is falling in love with this, you know, past and this past woman and this past history. And then there's also hints, though, at, uh, I don't I hesitate to use the word danger in it, but I was, I was thinking if you could speak to um, maybe the pleasure or, and or danger of mystery or maybe the difference between fascination and obsession. Um, I think that the, the film has like one central idea that is similar to Ostende that is uh, like she's she loves like uh, mysterious mysterious things she loves to discover things she likes to be to to be like a female Sherlock Holmes like finding things in re in, in in the world that maybe nobody's looking at. And I feel that what what happens uh, with with the char the characters around her is that they just like awake, and they start like playing the same game. It's like she has to make this kind of sacrifice of disappearing, of not being there, to make the people around her uh, 
start like having a life. And in a way, for Chicho, for example, for me, is that's something important because the he dreams he's this Italian guy. Uh, he he and 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 she says uh, that pa that maybe the story between Paolo Bertino and Carmen Suna was the most important moment in Paolo's life. And in a way, you can feel that this is the most important or more more most. Um, Adrenalinico, ¿cómo se dice? Uh, like more, uh, more intense or intense moment of, of, of Chicho's life. So in a way, it's like she's the, the one that gets all the guys and, and all the people around into the adventure. That, that was like the main, the main idea of how to work this how to work mystery i mean like a like a contagious like like being like they feel that she's in, living with this intensity and they have to be um at at the same level of living life and not being like zombies with nothing happening Okay, so I think I know you've had a long travel day. Thank you for doing this. And uh, tomorrow, join us at 9 o'clock for part two. I hope Thank to you. see you tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you. Bye.